Yes, good people, it's Francis here from Let's Do Humans podcast. This is just a quick announcement, just to encourage everybody here that's listening to our podcast right now, just to ensure that you subscribe and you follow us on all of the various platforms out there that produce podcasts, that's subscribing to us on YouTube, following us on iTunes and Spotify. I mean, follow us, make sure that you share our content and continue your support, that'll be greatly appreciated. That's Let's Do Humans, L-E-T-S-D-O-H-U-M-A-N-S, Let's Do Humans, one word. Appreciate all of your support. Stay blessed, good people. Social media, see what's doing. <laughs> Keely, how you been though? Living the dream. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm surviving. A, a little bit more than surviving, but I'm I'm good. Surviving and thriving. Thriving is a strong word right now. I think thriving is a strong word for everyone at the moment, isn't it? What do you say so? Well, thriving will be make the assumption that you're you're kind of going beyond what you're expecting to achieve. Or am I right? Well, you're always so like on the language thing. Yeah. For me, it might be about, for me, it's always about adversity. Mm. And actually, what can you do? That's true. When, you know, all your options are closed down. Mm. Sometimes if you just, I, I, I guess that's a philosophy I have for life. Mm. That even in adversity, what can I do? I think I've kind of geared and engineered, engineered my mind that mm. way. So I find a way. So what might not be societally like, oh, wow, she's thriving. It might not look like it because people look at, you know, certain things are symbolic of success. Mm. Say, for example, the car I drive or whatever. Mm. However, for me, in adversity, I still thrive. I think that's really important for me. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, because it gives yeah. me a sense of power. Mm. Otherwise, powerlessness sets in and, and that is not great for That's your greatness it, it definitely comes down to an interpretation thing then because i mean to me the assumption is thriving is like you're achieving above and beyond but I, then i do guess thriving is also being able to like survive and, and manipulate not manipulate maneuver within the times that you're you're kind of like presenting yeah with, so. like yeah then i guess yeah. I'm, in that sense if, if that's the interpretation that we're going with then yeah, yeah. i'm thriving I'm, I'm good yeah you know I mean? in in some way in sense of the powerlessness that is going on right now, mm. the power that is over us. Mm. You know, even if that is, is symbolic of you actually doing it, getting mm. your sign done, it might have been something on your to-do list. Oh yeah, definitely was. You yeah. see, and now yeah. you've got the space, in some sense, you know, as we reorder our homes, clear mm. stuff out, can be positive, it can be productive, it might be small, but mm. I'm a fan of starting small. Yeah. Massive fan of that. Massive fan of that. But what's changed though since we last spoke? Because it's been about a year now. And I remember the world was completely different since we last spoke. Like a lot of the things that happened, a lot of things that occurred was wasn't stuff that we kind of like predicted or was prepared for. No. So what's changed for you? Well, I guess we were free then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we were free. Yeah. Dot dot dot. Yeah. Um so obviously lockdown has mm. has, has come and, yep, and hit, wow, yeah. Mm. And hit in a way that has been well, I guess revolutionary for, for so many of us mm. in terms of adapting mm. to new normals and I think um for myself so my business has changed kind of exponentially yeah you know I did have a residual income mm. which which you know 
is a very helpful way to earn a living when you don't always have to exchange your labor for, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. for, for time. So, so that's hit hard. Um, and I think like I was talking about what that space has created. So it's meant that I wrote a course mm. called pain into purpose. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, a four week online course. Mm. And basically it just, I, I had the time because of lockdown to synthesize all the insights about humanity that I'm exposed to through seeing people on a one-to-one. Mm. Um, and out of that came Pain Into Purpose, which has f- the five life well, principles. What's the premise behind that though, Pain Into Purpose? Um, that adversity and pain is inevit- inevitable in life. Mm. And what you do about it is fundamental to the quality of your life. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, the zeitgeist of our time is, you know, YOLO, positive psychology, affirmations, you (laughs) know, let me do some yoga and meditation. Mm. No, no, the reality is some of us have had incredible adversity. Some of us have been traumatised and and pain is a part of life. Constantly trying to positively reframe that has its place, Mm. but actually it can be very detrimental to people. Mm. So I see a lot of people coming through kind of like after they've done all the self-help reading, yeah. um, you know, coaching and so on, which has its place. If you, you know, think about where you are, where you, you know, where you are, where you want to be, that's fine goal setting. Mm. However, if you perpetually sabotage yourself, mm. there's something going on in your unconscious. Yeah. And that's what I help people with in the pain to purpose course. So I don't need to know about people's in-depth life stories mm. because let's face it, a lot of people are adverse to therapy. Um, but I can teach you the principles about why I believe that you're sad, depressed, mm. stuck, and what you need to do about it. Yeah. It's just giving you the answers, the why, and this is what you need to do mm. about it. I, I, was, I, was, I was reading something up around um, depression recently, and um, I came across the concept of like complexities. And um, they, they, the author of this piece was talking about that nowadays, especially in the 21st century, it seems like a lot of people are depressed. And it kind of coincides with the whole idea that we're, we're in a world now where there's so much complexity Mm-hmm. And it causes a lot more confusion than than we necessarily can deal with as uh, on the human capacity level. Oh. So major he his his idea was that majority of the issues that we're facing nowadays aren't necessarily chemical imbalances, but it's just the difficulties in dealing with the world's complexities. Wow, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because... it was a different take to it than what I previously read. Yeah, well, I guess I guess the beauty of that is is I, you know my mind straight away went to Starbucks. I think mm. when you said that because I thought about what it's like to go and order a coffee, mm. the complexity of choice. Yeah, you see. Yeah, and, and that's a beautiful example of the t- the tyranny of choice, mm. because people are are perpetually deciding all the time, uh, with you know you know the instant apps, mm. instant this, that it's it can be overwhelming. Mm. whereas you know I always think of it like being on a plane there isn't a menu well I don't fly first class yet (laughs) not yet you know what I'm saying Mm. you either get the veg meal or the chicken and fish Mm. job done and that's it you know what I'm saying there ain't no long menu you're not sitting there like oh what shall I have what shall I have Mm. it's like that sister Mm. and I think there's a real benefit yeah for humans you know which goes against what you know in terms of how we've been conditioned um, but I think there is a definitely an alternative view of common mental health problems mm. that needs to be spoken about and talked mm. about because, you know, chemical imbalances is often related to the medical model mm. of um, depression. And 
really excludes society, politics, mm. you know, um, social economic status as well. So there is an alternative view which the mainstream are not giving voice to yeah, as yeah. such. They keep pushing the same, mm. you know, the same rhetoric, which, you know, so, so it means people like myself, maybe even the article you read, we kind of dis- deemed as being like alternative thinkers, mm. you know, which is, which, which is good, but it also comes with its own challenges. Yeah. What's the most common, like, mental health issues that people are, like, sort of, like, expressing to you nowadays? What, what are people suffering with? Well, I think the, the challenge is a lot of people are telling me that they're anxious. Yeah. Um, so, so people are becoming more um, versed in common, in that language. Mm. But I have often find they don't necessarily know what it means. Yeah. For example, I can ask somebody, when are the times that you're anxious? Mm. Oh, yeah, well, when, my, when this person calls you know so okay well so let's look into that situation mm. that's important for you to understand what goes on within yourself the reality is i believe um, anxiety is being pushed as a like common mental health problem mm. what i find is anxiety often can come from trauma you know so when people haven't dealt with a root cause of trauma mm. you're gonna be up here primed with anxiety like oh i'm feeling anxious i'm feeling yeah. anxious but you know, it takes time to delve, to build the trust, rapport. Some people have forgotten adverse memories. Yeah. And so often at a core is is trauma that hasn't hasn't mm. been dealt with, which then makes sense in terms of, okay, so that's why you may feel anxious mm. in these situations. But but why sim- so by simple definition, what is anxiety? So t- to me, for instance, anxiety is something I feel it's like so as you said, someone who's um, might be contacted by an individual and then they start feeling a certain type of way. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, historically, there's there's one particular person who I've been through a traumatic instance with or a situation. Now, even though I'm really cool with that person, whenever I see that person's number come up on my phone, I'm always like, ah, oh. it's like I'm always shaking. I'm like, I'm not scared of the individual, but I feel, I feel, I replay the experiences and the emotions that I've been through with that person. You see what I mean, and then it has a it has a um, it has a continuous effect on our relationships. Well, so the challenge you have is you've got a body based memory, yeah, or potentially a trauma mm. that is body based. So cognitively in your mind, you believe that you've come to a conclusion about it. Mm. That's that's the the limitations of the mind. Your body is being triggered when that person interacts with you. Mm. So we we would have to work on the body. What goes on for you? Because mm. something's happening. You see. Yeah. That's where you get that. Yeah. The body's the truth teller. Mm. So I, I'd be curious about your bodily reactions more so. And I think more so as I develop, I'm less, I want to use the word seduced by people's narratives about their experience. I really am more mm. tuned into the body and what the body is saying, because I do believe that, you know, the body to be a truth teller. Yeah. So that would be what I'd be curious about. Mm. And it's usually a, a, some sort of a, a memory that's lodged and we endeavour through talking or, or, or however to try to access some of that. Yeah. And what's the healing process like? Though? What does that look like? Well, it has to be unique to yourself. Yeah. It depends. So you each know. individual. So there's no like blanket yeah. way of dealing with people's anxieties as well. No, whole. not yeah. at all. So, well, like I said, anxiety I often find to be trauma mm. or anxiety I often find is someone's ego. Okay. Yeah, because you don't want to block him, do you? Yeah. Yeah, but every time he calls you, makes you anxious. So why <laughs> yeah. don't you block him? <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't want to block him because you don't yeah. want the relationship to done. Or, or so then the you assumption, need to be anxious. Yeah, but then also there's there's also the assumption that you you feel like the the situation is 
dealt with, it's done and dusted. But then maybe it's not because you're still going through that that experience or that bodily um, change whenever you do come in contact with that person. Yeah. So yeah. so the challenge is you, you, you need to get into the body, mm. you see, which circumnavigates the mind, which mm. takes us into creativity. Mm. So it would have to be dependent. So like there's a thing for children called the worry bear. Um, which, you know, children are encouraged to write whatever their worry is and zip it up and put it in the bear. Mm. Some of that I use with adults, you know, okay. so, you know, so it's, it's unique to that person. Some people I might use the, the, little, the, the dolls. So I have the Russian dolls. Mm. Some people it might be EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprogramming, um, mm. which is where you kind of isolate. It, it's really dependent upon the person. But, you know, fight or flight, if someone's traumatised, been traumatised, you also have to be really mindful of that. And polyvagal theory is really good at looking at what happens when someone shuts down. Mm. So that's when they're, you know, when they shut down, that means they're in the room, but they've left. Mm. You know, and that, it's, it's just a narrative that's not spoken about, which which might be understandable, kind of, you know, for the, for the everyday person. So what I find is people often come with those terms, like, oh, I'm anxious. I'm depressed, mm. you know, do you do CBT? Mm. Uh, because that's what, you know, the mainstream has really pushed. CBT is in the, the drug. CBT, oh, no, CBT. CBD. Oh, sorry, CBD, I'm good. Easy Stop. now, I thought you easy saying. now, back in the game, bro. <laughs> back in the game, back in the game. I thought you were trying to promote the herbal healing right now. <laughs> no, bro, I won't get that creative route. You know, yeah. um, but you know, CBT would be cognitive behavioural therapy. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Which is often, yeah. you know, encouraged by, mm -hmm. by the NHS yeah. as such, you know for individuals, so people are often primed with that. Mm. And, you know, it's for me to get to understand, you know, where they are. And, and you know, obviously, often on time, sometimes uncomfortable memories can be evoked. Mm. And my, my ambition is always to help people to make sense of it. So maybe the reason you act like this in the here and now is this is what happened in the there and then, the past, mm. and then how we can begin to integrate that. This is can often involve inner child work, it's because our seven-year-old wounded self still governs our show at mm. 35, 38, whatever it is. And so it's about how do we, we mend that yeah. relationship? You know, so, you know, I ain't honing in on you, but mm. for example, whatever that body-based response might be having, I'd be curious whether that body-based response you have to your friend might be also linked to other experiences. So what yeah. would that remind you of? So I think it's one of the things where, you know, people might not always get that type of inquiry through, through their uh, GP, mm. you know, it, but we are hopeful. Yeah. You know, it, we are hopeful. One thing that I'm quite curious about is that nowadays the talk about mental health is everywhere, like everywhere you turn. Is, there, is, there, is it really a case that so many people are going through issues or is the conversation out there so broadly now that people are attaching themselves or minor stuff that they're going through with those more serious issues? I mean, how deep do sense. we want to go around here? I mean, as deep as possible. Cause, well, the, cause the reality thought... is if you want to keep people, everybody thinking that they're depressed and it takes the eye off the bigger prize, mm. you know, about capitalism, access to opportunity, yeah. you know, social mobility, yeah. which is a massive problem. But if, if, if you tell people that they're depressed, um, say we take, for example, imposter syndrome, mm. some argue that imposter syndrome is actually about, 
you feeling inadequate because you don't know how to navigate middle-class circles. Yeah. But psychologically, we're told that we have an imposter syndrome and that mm. the problem is ours. And therefore, one should work on themselves mm. in order to be able to be comfortable in those circles, which is convenient because it then makes the individual feel inadequate mm. about their so-called shortcomings. When actually the reality is, is you're, you're going into circles where you're not accustomed and often where you're not welcome yeah. because you don't understand middle-class nuanced, mm. you see. So that's about class. So class, access to opportunity. If, if you push a mental health agenda, then everybody ind individualizes it. Yeah. Something wrong with me. It's self-diagnosis. Yeah, where everybody mm. is. They've already come into me telling mm. me what they've got. And I think I've got this. Well, that's very interesting. But if you, the challenge is a psych an experienced psychotherapist... I'm having people tell me the same thing again and again and again, and I'm seeing people individually. Mm. So, which is why I created Pain Into Purpose, because I'm like, this is not individual. Mm. This is not individual. Yeah. This is, this, it's almost, I find myself saying the same things mm. again and again and again, which means it's not individual, which is why I can create a course really quickly yeah. because I see the principles that are in uh, interplay mm -hmm. that keep people firstly thinking that something's wrong with them when actually we live in an environment where you are, are, are stifled mm. you know your access to opportunities are limited you can work really hard look at it now like people can work really hard but can you afford to move out yeah can you afford a home yeah. or do you just have enough money to get yourself in debt I think, you know, you, you, you earn enough to get you in debt. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. you can get credit and that's all you do. You mm -hmm. just constantly can see like... No, enough to ever clear that credit. So uh, there you the go. Circle, huh? I think one of the reasons why there is an epidemic in terms of mental health problems is because of in, in, inauthenticity. Mm. People don't know who they are. And they're striving for what society rams down their throat as symbolic of success... Mm. And they get there and they're like, is, is this, is this it? Yeah. Even to the point where we're, we're like forcing each other into it. I don't know if you, how, how heavy you're on um, the cultural parts of social media and music and stuff, but it was recently this ridiculous like argument about like Birkin bags. I don't know if you came across that debate. Birkin bags. Birkin bags. So these are like ridiculous. I don't know. They're like, I don't know. Really? They're snake skin or crocodile skin or whatever, but they bags are, some of the bags are worth like 300 grand. It, it ranges from like 50 grand, 20 grand to like 300 grand plus. And um, there was a massive celebrity debate. So you had these two celebrities. I don't know who it was. Nicki Cardi B and another artist. They were just debating about their boyfriends buying them Birkin bags. So then that debate trickled down from these celebrities who are like multimillionaires to your local um, Bob and, and Joanne or whatever arguing on the streets on social media about Birkin bags. So people are having this debate that if your man can't buy you a Birkin bag, is he really your man? You know what I mean? And then you had these rappers that were saying, look, they're looking for girls to buy Birkin bags for. I'm just talking about it's like social pressures here, like mm. people trying to force themselves to mm. live a lifestyle that's way beyond their means, mm. way, way, way beyond their means, but in order to like impress a new supposed societal norm. You see what I mean? And the pressures became real. It, it, it starts off as a joke where people are like on their socials being like, oh, your man can't afford, a, a Birkin, can't afford to buy you a Birkin bag. Mm. To the point where people start living outside of their means. People start picking up credit cards just to be able to buy this this supposed like status symbol for their partners yeah well i guess you know if we if we take the fact that the argument has been inspired by someone like cardi b mm. it, it would raise the question 
would one look to her as a, a representative of a healthy, wholesome, intimate relationship? Well, in, in the first instance, if, if her argument has mm. now trickled down to the average Bob, mm. you know, this is a massive yeah. issue. But, that, but that's the dangers of, like, influence and social influence in particular. Because, yeah, like, the average person who has, like, a, any sense would see that, okay, this is not an argument I should get myself involved in. This is not a debate that, that should be seen as, as serious and a be end of But these people have massive influence. They've got, like, hundreds of, of millions of followers. Mm-hmm. And there's impressionable young people there with, like, frontal cortexes that haven't even been developed halfway through yet. So they're going to take this as a serious point of discussion and a serious point of thought and, and a place of ideas and, and a way of living life. Yeah, but then, but then the reality is, you know, we talk about, you know, conditioning then we look at mental health problems, we look at the media, and mm. they, as, as we know, these, if these people are, are put up and then you can get yourself involved in such debates, mm. what happens to your own authenticity? Yeah. As you go down the rabbit hole involving and having debates about a, a branded bag, mm. yet what about your own self? What about your own journey? All mm. distraction to take your eye off the prize mm. and then you sit there wondering why you feel inadequate about your size B breasts, mm. yeah? So now you want to go and get uh, a boob job done and potentially get your bum done <laughs> because you now feel inadequate because you now idolise these people. All distraction. Yeah. All distraction from yourself and your journey and what you can do to become your greatest self, mm. which is one of the reasons why people are depressed. Yeah. But how, how do you avoid that, though? Because it's, it's fair enough and easy to say, OK, I'm going to stop following these individuals. I'm going to stop engaging in these debates. I'm going to stop, like, being distracted by these. But how do you actively... People need crisis. Mm. There's, there's the beauty of working in jail. Mm. You see people in crisis. You see people at rock bottom. And what matters matters and what doesn't. You soon reorder and prioritise mm. what matters. The challenge is people aren't uncomfortable enough. Yeah. They need the discomfort. You know, we can all have a pebble in the shoe. Sometimes it goes around in a little crevice of the shoe. You just carry on walking. But when it when it's really bucking on your bunion, mm. then you got to take the shoe off. Yeah. Knock that out. Hold on. I'm just got to take this out. Mm. They're not uncomfortable enough. Yeah. It has to hurt enough. Yeah. You have to get to that place. But if, 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 if the world or society doesn't put you into that place, like how do you recreate that? that experience they'll put you in an un- uncomfortable place so that you can well society won't because society wants to distract you yeah so you you, you remain distracted you're more you you know more about cardi b than you do yourself mm. you see so as long as you take the bait that's fine mm. you'll be uncomfortable enough and then you just keep working and and be kind of you know like kind of settle for mediocrity yeah but something would have to be uncomfortable enough painful enough for you to begin that like self-inquiry if you do not everybody's gonna wake up you know mm-hmm. yeah not, not everybody not everybody will i'm afraid mm. and and if you look at media i mean for example throughout you know this lockdown we know that alternative thinkers have also been taken down yeah. so you're getting a homogenous viewpoint yeah really and truly mm. um in the media yeah. you know and, that, and that's been proven because big tech got taken to court by the senate in in um the states big regarding tech. this big tech so um um jack dorsey twitter mark zuckerberg and um what's his name they the dude from um, google the, the senate had him in a, in a call meeting for six hours i watched about three and a half hours of it wow. they, they were talking about like censorship and controlled um yeah. ideology and these these guys were proven to be controlling the ideologies that we that we now kind of all subscribe to 
So they they censor certain things whilst allowing certain things to flourish yeah. within their social media platforms. And these are the most free, most most powerful people or companies in the world, without a doubt, when it comes to information. They they they're more powerful than countries and governments. So the U U S Senate had them in there, obviously because Trump was trying to have his way with them before he left office. But nonetheless, they got exposed for what they are and what they do. Because mm. um, Jack Dorsey was asked a question. So Jack Dorsey is the CEO of Twitter. He was asked if he, if he believes that his platform can control the, an election in regards to like what people think and what makes people want to vote for the individuals to vote for. And his answer was no. And they were like, um, hold on one minute. Um, then they brought out all of this evidence in regards to um, things that they've suppressed. So the they issue with Biden's son and um, his laptop, for instance. Um, there was a whole bunch of stuff with him doing dodgy deals with Ukraine and a whole bunch of stuff. He was smoking crack on there, like prostitution. There's a whole bunch of stuff that was on his laptop. And New York Times released a massive article regarding this and they put it out on Twitter and Twitter blocked it from the world seeing it. This was just coming up to the election. And there was a reason behind it because obviously their political ideology it would have gone against that had that article come out just before the election. So they were asked why they censored it when they hadn't censored um, the Ayatollah and loads of other people saying radical stuff. Because Jack Dorsey's excuse was that, okay, um, we, we, we censor stuff from certain world leaders because of the influence and reach that they have. But they hadn't censored a whole bunch of like racist, anti-Semitic stuff. But when it came to this particular thing, they censored it. And he tried to make up some excuse for it, but they didn't buy it. And all of them got roasted one by one in regards to their ideologies. And he got found that, I don't know if you've seen The Social Dilemma, Mm -hmm. But he got found out that basically what was expressed in the social dilemma in regards to how social media controls our way of thinking is all true. Yes. So sometimes you might be out yes. there thinking that I believe this because I believe it. No, you believe it because the algorithm has noticed the pattern in things that you watch and they're constantly pushing those ideas. So you're never ever going to see the other side of the argument simply because your voodoo doll that they have created on the back end hasn't been attached to these other ideologies. Yeah. So it's social media is very dangerous. And sometimes when you're on social media and you're playing the game, or especially if you're interested in politics and ideas, you should be careful at what you're being fed and what you, what's being recommended to you because it's heavily like structured, especially biased, for your yeah. mindsets to create a well, yeah. biased echo chamber. And I think, I think, you know, even from Amazon years ago, mm. I remember thinking when my kids ask me what I want for my birthday, I'm like, you need to ask Amazon because Amazon is making some serious recommendations. Yeah, yeah. It knows what I like before I like yeah. it. I want to buy one book. It's bundling so them up. Gonna adjust the no worries. It, to be falling it, it yeah. bundles up the books and tells me I only wanted to spend like £15 on one book. It's bundling it all off. Next thing, I'm adding to basket a £50 bundle of three books. Yeah. You see, so... You know, it's just one way that that's but that's been happening for a while. Oh, yeah, it's coming out now, and so you know, I think, I think we're in serious times. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, the it's an illusion mm. of free speech. Oh yeah, definitely, it's and, definitely yeah. illusions. And free will, free will is like so. One thing oh, I got from this court case terrible. was that free will is a major, major illusion. Like the idea of free rule. So like Yeah, but the challenge is you have to let people think that they are making a choice. Yes, that's the thing. See, yeah, that's the that's yeah. the catch. Yeah. So you think, you oh, to... I like this video, I like these products, but no, you've been fed it, like the signals yeah. have been put out there. Yeah. yeah. I had an interesting conversation with one of my friends and I thought I wanted to get your idea on it. And I think you mentioned earlier on about social mobility and that's why I clicked. So um when when I first graduated from university, me and a friend of mine we went to this um recruitment day. It, it was it was by this massive organization called um, Pareto Law, so they were meant to be like high end recruiters for graduates. And um, we turned up to this place, this room. There was about fifty people in there. We were the only two black people in there. 
And immediately, as soon as you stepped in there, you know how we felt. Do you know what I mean? That that whole like in, inadequate feeling, like oh my gosh, like we're about to get ripped apart. There's no way we'll be able to survive in this in this pool. So we stepped up there, and then you have to stand up in front of everyone and say your name, what you just graduated in, what you're looking to do in the future. And you know, black people, our lips are trembling as we're talking in front of this group of like 50 super posh white kids and stuff. I, I trust you didn't go to pub, uh, private school? No, no, not at all. Oh, okay. I went to like a really bad, like... Because okay. um, yeah. you'd, you'd do fine at public speaking if you would have gone to private school. Yeah. I mean, in the yeah. school that I went to, it wasn't a great school yeah. at all. It, yeah. was, it, was, it was a horrible school. I cannot deny that fact um, whatsoever. But um, we really st- we, we struggled when it came to a lot of the stuff, a lot of the group-based work. Yeah. But a lot of the um, interpersonal, direct work, we, we done all right. We, we thought we were fairly confident because from the area that we come from, like, we were the confident guys. We were the supposed... The brainy ones. The brainy yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. But in that environment, <laughs> in that environment, it was like... We're the dumb kids. We're the dumb kids. <laughs> like, yo, we're definitely from the hood now. Yeah, you know we're from yeah, the hood. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. feel we're from the hood. This, this, <laughs> so we were discussing this just about two days ago. And we are like, you know what? We were so scared in our environment. We really felt like we didn't belong, as if like we weren't we weren't um, worthy enough of competing within that environment. And we're trying to figure out what made us feel so inadequate. As soon as we stepped in, well, well, there you go. So you could what what psychology, traditional psychology, mm. would tell you you've got imposter syndrome. Mm. You see, so you internalize it as an inadequacy of the self, mm. and then you go about trying to to restore that, rather than looking externally about it being about class, privilege, mm. nuance, and you not knowing how to navigate mm. that. And that's and that's the challenge with my field. Mm. That's a challenge for me as a therapist, which is, you know, I don't want to be a part of a, a, a profession that makes people internalise mm. um, societal inadequacies and put it on themselves. Mm. I want to be able to help people to have a balance. Like, this is what it's at like. It's like I was in Phoenix and I was going to buy a bar bar jacket. Mm. And I thought to myself... What does it symbolise to me? Because I don't go hunting. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? I don't fox hunt. I don't even go on walks and stuff yet. I'm I'm doing it a bit, right? Because of lockdown. But it ain't my natural thing. And I thought, is it symbolic of middle classness? Is it symbolic of my uh, transcendence out of the hood? Mm. And I thought, it is symbolic. So I didn't buy it. Mm. I just chose to not buy it. Because that, for me, it's important for me to think about, you know, you know, the middle class cultures define what's tasteful and what is not tasteful you see so certain items will be frowned upon and so i'm a bit like you know what i want to embrace all of all of me my my working class roots and obviously i'm a professional now but i want to embrace all of that and i'm not just going to have all these tags and labels that symbolize societal success our key i can see you moving up now like you know what no i'm gonna kind of mix and mingle and i'm going to decide yeah i'm going to decide but how how do you still that confidence in like a child for instance or like a a younger individual that so let's say for instance i was to have children and i we grew up in the area that i grew up in how how, if i want to instill that confidence in them to make them not feel inadequate or have that like um, imposter syndrome when they enter into these type of environments because even culturally for us yeah we we've like I'm saying us as if we're all like a monolith. But even culturally, for instance, if I go to a restaurant with my boys now and then um, I order sparkly water, they'll be like, oh, what, Frank, you moved up now, yeah? You're, you're up. <laughs> and all, all of a sudden, the association with me ordering like um, sparkly water is like me saying I'm better than Yeah, but else is there truth in it though? No, because I, I like it. Yeah, but is, is there a nugget to, to of an truth? element. 
to an exactly yeah. exactly exactly mm. like i always have coffee after my meal and i went out with mm. some some friends from the ends mm. and they were like oh do you always have to have coffee after oh, <laughs> yes yeah. you've changed i, I know like, that's what i do isn't it? it's what yeah. i do they never had one i don't know like, it's like yeah. that's what i do it but there is something in it and it is a nuance mm. and that's the beauty of like cracking that open and thinking about it and pondering what does that symbolize what does it symbolise to them? What does it symbolise to me when someone points that out? Mm. It's just, I just find it forever, you know, it's fascinating. Yeah. But social mobility is strange then because then the idea to me doesn't seem plausible because regardless of whether... So when I was at university, we had this debate that the moment you, the moment you receive a, um, a degree, you're no longer working class. That, that there, was, there was a debate and um, even, mm. even the lecture concluded that, okay, if you've got a degree now, technically you're not working class. So you can't, you can't keep going on about this idea of, oh, I'm a working class lad now because you've got a degree and that's not supposed to be a working class thing. But, but you but don't what if feel you're still, like... But you're still living in your mum's council flat in their little that, one bedroom. That's the thing. So it's like, at what point does this social mobility ideal become a, a tangible, plausible idea? Because where... what, what like, what salary bracket do I need to be and say, oh, I've officially got my certificate now? Is it even, is it even worthwhile even trying to consider it? Because it doesn't make sense and it's very difficult to feel that tangible movement. Mm. You see know what I mean? Unless you completely ostracize yourself and then start behaving in a way that's unnatural to yourself and forcefully start talking in a way that's not necessarily um, akin to your roots. Yeah. So when, it's yeah, a very when, strange... When you still live in your mum's spare bedroom, yeah. it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit incongruent. Mm. You know, and I think it's difficult i think it's difficult i think it's a it's it's lots of little things but you can't you know not take race into it because mm. i don't think britain has a middle class black population yeah you see so we we, we kind of lumped as being you know like it's black mm. not it's not it's not considered that within the black community there are um different mm. classes at all yeah so we're kind of all lumped as all being hood I know my kids who've been brought up in a middle-class area have really struggled when mm. they've gone to colleges that have a mix of people from different areas because they're not black enough. Mm. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a massive one. And it's not about having a degree because, because the reality is, you know, you're going to have more in common with working-class people mm. whether you have a degree than, you know, high salary, you know, massive salary earners. Mm. You know, people on six figures, you're going to have more in common with those people there. Yeah. So it's it's all shifted. You've got doctors who can't afford to, you know, buy their own homes and or having to move further and further out. Mm. So so what is it? What does that suggest? Yeah. If you know if if having a house is symbolic of you know status and, and moving up. Like yesterday, I, I, I don't buy any respect. I wanted to read something yesterday, so I thought I'll buy National Geographic. Mm. Seven pound, bruv. <laughs> Seven pound, bruv. I just go on Google. <laughs> Yeah, and I just thought, you know, a... let me have a flick through Sam and it was all virus and everything, which is not good for me because I don't need to be reading all about that. Mm. But it was like seven pounds, mm. you know, and I paid for it because Shane wouldn't let me put it back at the table. <laughs> there we go. I had to That's hold it up. Issue. I had to, yeah, I had to hold it up. I had to hold yeah. it up. But it is, you know, it's a reality. Mm. Just as where you go on holiday, how you have your holidays, mm. you know, what you, you know, all of that begins to feed in and... um Mobility, Mm-mm. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I mean, I find so I find sure. social mobility. I, I just find it a weird, a weird, weird. Um, I don't, I don't know what to call it. I find a very strange structure, and I don't necessarily think the structure is, is is. I don't think it's possible 
in, in, in the simplest form to shift, as they say. And then who sets the confines of the rules as well? Who says at what level do you move on to the next stage? Yeah. You see what I mean? It's like, who, who's setting Wait, the rules yeah. to the game? Yeah. And whoever's controlling the narrative or whoever's controlling the rules of the game will ultimately define what it is and it's set. So really and truly, the back of whoever set the rules in mind, you can never really come onto my level because you weren't born like me. <laughs> Do you yeah. see what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I can't then just come and then shift and come onto your level and be like, yo, we're on the same level socially and class-wise. It's, it's a very strange concept. Yeah, well, it's like cultural appropriation. Mm. It's a bit like when I was buying the bar bar jacket because we often hear about cultural appropriation for white folk who are mm. uh, mimicking black yeah. culture. But I thought about, what about them flip though? Mm. When I buy my bar bar jacket, is that mm. what I'm trying to do? Yeah. Appropriate with the power dominant group mm. to be more like them. But I know mm. I'll drop my T's anyway and expose my grassrootsness. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so what is that about? What, what do these things symbolize? Mm. That I'm better, that I've moved on, Always people say, oh, Key, I'm still surprised you come around here, you know? I'm still surprised you hang out around I always find that a little bit. Yeah, so where should I hang around? What? Yeah. Should I, should I have new friends now, just because? I think, I yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, some relationships get strained. Let's let's mm. be honest. Like, mm. if you're about to go and nick something at an M&S, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, bro? Like, it's yeah. like, really, like, like, it's different. good, isn't it? Like, wow, yeah. but if you this, like, it's good. Mm. It's good. So, yeah, I think, I think it's tricky. Mm. I think you have to find a place because we're constantly bombarded with messages about appropriateness none of it's all subtle yeah and that's why i paused before buying the jacket i just mm. paused and i thought nah i don't need to i'm not going to because mm. it felt i made conscious something that's very unconscious and subtle mm. and that is about the brands we buy and there's no two ways about it it yeah. is about the brands we buy yeah. brands i think obviously brands do come into it as well most of yeah symbolic signs of mm. success you know yeah. i know many a man who wouldn't wear primark mm. but enough man are in jail because you don't want to do primark innit? Yeah, yeah. you want to go bista village innit? Yeah, yeah. that's cool bro whatever it is that you can make from there yeah you want mm. yeah but you you end up doing time mm. because you don't want to live within your means yeah so it's tricky it definitely is um so and you know why it's tricky which mm. leads back to mental health problems because self-acceptance yeah. Is not is 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 um I think revolutionary. Mm. It's counterculture to accept yourself. Yeah. People don't accept themselves. Yeah. That's why my children want Mac makeup. What do you want for Christmas? Mac makeup. Mm. What do you mean Mac makeup? I remember this when I was like in their teens, like late teens, like, oh we want Mac makeup. So, so I took them to the but why, why is there lying outside the shop? Mm. This isn't even COVID times. Mm. They want to contour. Mm. <laughs> they want long lash. Yeah. Long, long lash. Yeah. And so I'm like, wow. When, like, that's, a, that's a significant shit. I was happy with a little lip, lip balm from Body Shop. Mm. It's changed significantly. So what is that about? Never feel inadequate. You're always feeling inadequate. So you need the next thing. I mean, look what they did to, to, to women's eyebrows. Yeah. Bruv, mm. what was wrong with our eyebrows? <laughs> All right, sister, I know if you got a mono bro, you got to sort yourself out, right? <laughs> yeah. Sort it out. You know what I'm saying? None of that. But come on, man. These little Asian women appeared in all forms of shopping centres just there, like, yeah. doing the thing on the eyebrow. I'm mm. like, jeez, when did the eyebrow thing become a thing? Because we were conditioned mm. to feel inadequate about our natural eyebrows. And then they brought out a solution for it. Mm. And then they brought out eyebrow. What, my daughter bought an eye, eye 
brow pen, eyebrow brush. Just shave off the Bridget thing and then <laughs> draw, draw it on now. Draw them on. Mm. And look at, the, look. you know it was a fiasco when people were drawing on all these big old, it, it got out of hand. Yeah. It got out of hand. Yeah. It's strange because there's also major power in like self acceptance and like appreciating yourself. Because like, you become ostracized. Yeah, that's the issue as well. Yeah. And that and that and you talk about how do we teach children that mm. when when children want to be a part of their group. Mm. You don't want to be the kid that gets bullied. Mm. It's all good now. It's being adults being like, well, just be yourself. No, it ain't because you mm. remember when you was that kid at school. Yeah, you wanted yeah. to fit in. If yeah. everyone was wearing wallabies, you was wearing wallabies kickers. You do, you got kickers. You definitely, yeah. You you don't want to be the kid with Dunlop or Gola. Yeah. Or if you're wearing fake kickers, then it's a wrap for you. Frederick, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Your mum gone shoe zone. Yeah. Or no. Hackney Market, that was the place for me. Oh. Hackney Market, me back in the day. <laughs> oh. So it's very mm. difficult for kids because they want to fit in. That's mm. that's what their psychology is about. Mm. So individualism. For children, very tricky. Yeah. Teenagers, very tricky when all you want to do is assimilate into the group. Mm. Probably one of the reasons why I work with adults. Mm. Because the challenge is you start to, to walk to the drum of your own beat. Yeah. And that's when, and I can see it, I can see it happening in myself. People, you know, are you free or, 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 or are you the madman? Mm. You know, I can go to the gym, put my sunglasses on, my headphones on. I can rave in there with my headphones but I'm not in sync with everybody else who doesn't quite move to their music. You know, mm. they kind of hold it down. But I'll push two fingers out of the air. That was a big change. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm having a virtual rave in here. Yeah. I've got to get my sweat on. Yeah. But I'm out of sync with what everybody else is doing. That's very true. Yeah. You see? So now it's a bit off key. It's a bit mm. weird, isn't it? She work. So we kind of put see? ourselves in line then, don't we? Well, I, it, yeah. well, it gives me two things. It either means the madman mm. and the individual whose authentic is free. Mm. Or are they actually more similar? Is the madman actually authentic? Mm. He's being authentic, which is going against the grain of what yeah. society is normal. So he becomes just as myself, who's now not conforming to societal norms mm. by, you know, gently um, having an exercise. Now I look like a weird person. Mm. Can I cope with that? Can I internally validate myself? Mm. See, the issue is people don't internally validate themselves. They're validating themselves according to external sources. Yeah. And the more a human does that, is the more they're susceptible to common mental health problems. Wow. That's actually put me in a place where I start, I'm now thinking back to times when I've been at the gym and I've seen the guy who I'm thinking is nuts dancing and going crazy. I'm looking at him thinking, yo, why, what's, what's wrong with him? When really truly, he's in his zone. He's well, the being... question, well, the question is, could you be that authentic? That's the, that's the truth. Now I'm kind of questioning myself now that you proposed that idea. There you go. Yeah. Could you be listening to some... Because, listen, Bridget, I'm listening to some big old dance or yeah, no, 90s yeah. tunes, Bridget. Yeah. I'm going to feel some tune. Shabba. Ting-a-ling-a-ling. School bell ring Pull up that. I'll even say pull up that. I don't scream it, though, because that's a bit too out of sync. Yeah, then they're going to be thinking like, you membership then. Get this one out. Ban that one. However, he is being authentic. He hears the music, mm. he enjoys it, and his body corresponds in truth. His mm. internal world and his external world match up. Most people, their internal world and their external world are separate. Yeah. How they feel inside and what they do externally are two worlds That's apart. That's definitely me. That's inauthenticity. Yeah. And the more inauthentic you are, is the more you are separate from your true authentic self. Mm. That's what, what I help people to do is how mm. can you begin 
So you, you're you more in alignment. Yeah. Now, there's games we have to play sometimes. You can't always be, you know, you can't go to, mm. to, to work and put your jollof and fish in the microwave. Oh, yeah. place. You know what I'm saying? Certain thing, we go hold it down. Yeah, 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 you know what definitely. I'm saying? We hold it down, put on a little magic <laughs> FM. You know what I'm saying? Put mm. on the magic. When they go on out the room, we put on the little BFM and everything yeah, like that. We yeah. want a little dancehall music. You know, I'm a dancehall fan. Yeah. Um, so some things we, we you know, we... we, we we, we socially conform, mm. but generally we want to be coming from a place where how we feel and how we behave are in alignment. Yeah. But how about if you're selective to that though? So for instance, like people that I feel comf- comfortable around, sometimes you, you can be that genuine self, but you find a majority of people you're not simply because you're conforming to that ideal. So it's like you're very selective about your, your personality traits. So it would make me curious about what it is when you're in certain circles where you're inauthentic possibly for um like it could be for business beneficial purposes or a, a image that you're trying to preserve within a within a well, circle that yeah. i don't know you're you're doing some level of work with that's outside of your friendship circle or your family boundaries well if i'm thinking about your well i'm just going to think about the black male mm. and if you think about the black male even our tone the our tone of talking it it, it switches well, but, but, but some of that we call code switching, right? Yeah, which is essential, yeah, mm. yeah? We, which is essential to mm. navigate the uh, yeah, the it's transactional s- as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, uh, the, if we think about the black male, if I think about it from your perspective per se, then we also know you have to contend with the nuance mm. of microaggressions, stereotypes. Mm. You have to hold all of that in mind. Yeah. A gentleman and I were we went out for the day, and on the way back we was in the country and we stopped for. Um, a Sunday lunch at Country Pub, mm. and he um, he's a camera, he's he's a photographer. So what he did is, when we was going into the pub, he just put the camera around his neck because he says, "I know I'll be less threatening with the mm. camera on." I do stuff like that as well. Yeah. You do. Yeah. And why is that important for you? Um, I just I just feel like my interactions with people is going to be that much more easier in certain environments if I have a prop a, a prop a, what is it called a prop that, for instance, makes me seem less harmful. Jesus. Do you know what I mean? And it, it is a real thing. Like, and see, I, ex- I experienced it with my friends. So for instance, like... Um, the nuance of this stuff is even, amazing. We could come back from the gym and if we, depending on where we're going to eat, for instance, if we're going to eat somewhere local, we'll roll in there as we look. But if we're not, then I'm, we might, I don't know, take off the hoodie, for instance, and just wear the t-shirt because that automatically will become less threatening. And these, these are things... So who, whose psychology are you having to consider mm. when you take off your jacket? That would be the psychology of someone who's maybe not be the same race as me, i.e. a white group of people. We're in a dominant, um, a predominantly white area. Right. So, so and we do it naturally. It's not even a thought. It's not even a thought no more. It's well, like, oh, it... we got a hat on, so you're taking off the hat. Whereas if I'm in my own area, I might even turn the hat backwards and push it down and even be more comfortable. But just because I'm in that zone, there's always ways. We always look for ways to kind of tone down our a, a supposed aggression or a, an aggressive image. It's, it's just a thing that we do. And that can be exhausting. Very exhausting. Yeah. It's, it's mentally draining, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And and that is, is the double challenge. If I'm talking about authenticity mm. and mental health problems, as me, me, you know, authenticity is the key. Mm. As a black man, you, have, you are saying you have to be conscious of a white person's stereotypes and prejudice mm. against you so you adapt to accommodate what mm. they are likely to think of you. Mm. And we've just pulled out one example. Mm. That's a lot. 
It is. It definitely is. And that will happen throughout your day mm. as you navigate the world. And it's, so it's, 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 it makes it like, is it no wonder that we are then maybe potentially overrepresented mm. in the mental health statistics when you have to do psychological, um, you not only have to be of your, aware of yourself, but you have to be aware of how that person is going to consider you and you assume that they will come from a place of, of a bias towards you and then you have to adapt. So how can you be unapologetically yourself? Um, the, the thing is, you can, and there's, there's we've seen this, right? Unapologetically, yeah, young, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I think as as I got older and I became more, but the thing is, is the the sad part is, it, it's taken such a long period of time to become very comfortable, and it's taken a lot of like personal um, wins for me to feel comfortable within my own skin to now step into places and just be completely myself. But growing up in particularly, that was never there. Do you know what I mean? Because one, I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin and to not care about my surroundings. But there was a time where everywhere I go, that would be a thought process. And you can sense everyone thinking the same thing. It's not even... There used to be like one nut that just didn't care. He was just loud, brash. He was just himself. But the rest of us, majority of us, we're constantly always thinking about our surroundings. We're constantly always thinking about like how other people are perceiving and experiencing us and yeah. particularly non-black people. Yeah, Franz Fanon, the psychiatrist, the French psychiatrist who was from Montserrat, writes mm. beautifully about about this, um, I think he calls it double, like a double bind that the black person finds mm. himself in where they have to think about their oppressor and how the oppressor thinks about them and then they have to make adaptions in order to accommodate the oppressor's mm. biases towards them and how exhausting that is mm. and kind of his bewilderment and surprise that he was experiencing that in the motherland where he thought he would get there and just be accepted. Mm. It's a massive deal, you know, and it's almost like, so where do we see... Um, black men being truly authentic mm. and not adapted is it allowed in certain circles so that may, leads me to think about grime music you know because mm. if you talk about you know if we talk about mm. social mob mobility they've kicked down the door mm. and made it on well let's just say on their terms mm. you know and obviously when they get there it's a challenge isn't it mm. it's a massive challenge you know and, and I, how, how do you how do you hold that balance of remaining true to your roots yeah, you know, you get, you know, I think I saw Dizzy a couple of months ago doing a, an, an advert for a betting. Um, oh, yeah, he's been doing that for a whole second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I kind of thought about it. Mm -hmm, okay, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's tough. Mm. And I can't help but feel that you, there is an inoculation for, for um, people who are born back home mm. from this society. That if you, the more you, the longer you can stay at home in an environment where, there's more black people around you at different levels of the social scale. You can see, you know, role models around you. Mm. It can immunise you mm. when you get to the West where you have to play a, a, a kind of psychological mind game yeah. and still remain intact, you know, to be able to, to navigate, to, mm. to be able to survive and thrive. Yeah. That actually explains a lot because um, I've got friends who, who come from really like well-to-do backgrounds in Nigeria that, uh, that only come here maybe for holidays or to study or whatever. And um, the way that they interact is very different. They're way more confident. They, they're very much um, unapologetically themselves because, yo, I come from a high-class um, society of 
just black people. So now that I'm here, I'm not going to conform. So they, they come with that backing and that yeah. strength and that confidence. Yeah. So there was one particular friend who um, I had recently. She's, she's gone back to um, Nigeria. But if you're out with her, like, she doesn't see anything around her. She's very loud. She's who she's who she is. She will express herself. She's yeah. very authentic, and she's not being like toned down or controlled by her environment or circle. Beautiful. Yeah, Beautiful. but it, the thing is, it's like now looking back at it and everything we just discussed. Now I can see where that comes from because mm. she comes from a really like high caliber family and high class background. So it's like you've experienced that. So you're, she's immune to she's, yeah. She's to, immune to, to it the, to the BS. She's immune what, to it yeah. most definitely. And for yourself, you know. You're from the Af- Afri- African diaspora. Mm. For people from the Caribbean, our history has been very different. Mm. You've got levels of broken families, mm. generations of broken families, where you've got you know the female as the breadwinner. We've got the kind of arrested development of the black male who's not mm. able to provide and protect his family, which mm. has led on to where we are in the current times. Mm. So what happens when he has to navigate those nuances and be mindful of of white person's prejudice towards him. Mm. Some man ain't gonna play them games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not gonna play them games, which mm. is often why they're on the margins. Mm. You know, they they're not gonna conform. And and sometimes, you know, just working in prisons, I kind of wondered sometimes to myself whether they had a freedom that I didn't have as someone mm. who had to conform, who mm. had to play the game, who could use my, you know, skin tone knowing that I, you know, I know the nuances of white mm. culture because it's in my family. Mm. And I can use that to navigate and get into places that maybe my darker skin counterparts can't. Mm. So what about that man who doesn't conform? Does he have a freedom that I don't have? He mm. doesn't play the game. A part of me kind of secretly respects that. It'd be like freedom of mind. He's not going to mm. play the game. Mm. So, yeah, so a, a, a large margin of society is eradicated from him because mm. he's just not going to conform. Yeah. I kind of, part of me kind of likes that. Mm. But the, likes the, that. those who conform, do you find that they end up like perpetuating those ideas onto their kids as well? So it's like it's a continuous cycle. Well, the challenge what... is you might become overly sanitized mm. and, de- and deculture oneself. Mm. You see, so you become, you know, and we all know that, you know, the Sallies are very much waiting for you, <laughs> you know. So, you know, it may mean that you, you, you shift away mm. and reject, reject yourself ultimately. Yeah. I believe, you know, so you begin to re- reject. Uh, and distance yourself mm. from 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 your culture because of the challenges that come with it. And like as I sit and think about it, you could kind of understand why. I don't like it though. Yeah. But you could kind of yeah. understand, you know, why because of what what also comes with it. Mm. You know. Um. So real is rare. Mm. And I understand why it's rare. And I and I respect. People who are authentic. I read. I have the. You know. I met somebody yesterday on online, and mm. he said he's a part of the two percent. I have the greatest respect for the two percent. Mm. People who just are authentic. It's challenging. It's very challenging. Yeah. You know. Um. So since lockdown, um, in particular, do you find that you're getting clients coming to you with um new and specific issues that they didn't come to you with prior? So since the whole COVID situation. Um. I think I think one of the th- things the areas of my business book I'm particularly busy is mm. is to do with um, people who are now using their insurance policies to access okay. therapy. So you know, depending on who you work for, you might have therapy through Bupa mm. through EAP services, employee assistance programs. Mm. So people are now using that to fund therapy, and I've never been busier 
oh. with people using like Aviva, that service, AXA, yeah, yeah. you know, to get support. So that's something that I've noticed. What they are bringing are, you know, challenges with relationships mm. and obviously, you know, worry and stress, mm. are we, you know, the lockdown. Um, but what I would say, the definite difference is that people are using their insurance policies, yeah. you know, and some companies are starting to change their insurance policies yeah. because of the increased <laughs> use, you know, they're buggers. So they're like, we don't, want to, we don't want to be paying out. Yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah, you, you can get to yeah, this therapy, yeah. but not during COVID. Yeah, that's um, ridiculous. Yeah, so, mm. you know, obviously strained relationships, being in a confined space yeah. where relationships, you know, it's one of the reasons mm. why divorces are often up after Christmas because people have spent lots of time together. Like Jesus Christ. That, I mean, that begs to differ. It's like that. So it makes you think, so do people not really know each other prior to getting together? Because people that, are busy. That, that's the thing. And we're distracted. We're distracted. And I think distraction kind of like, it creates an illusion sometimes because if you're, if you're with someone in the household and you're constantly distracted, you're both working nine to five, you're only home at seven o'clock, only spend three hours together, then you're off to bed. Technically, you only know each other for those three hours of the day that you spend together. And also depending on the size of your home. Yeah, yeah, space to manoeuvre. Space yeah. to manoeuvre, yeah. the limited space. It yeah. means you might be sharing the space. Mm. You know, if two of you got to work from home, you might have, you know, it just puts mm. a strain. And also, you know, often we take out our frustrations on the people closest to us too. Yeah. So it can become a real kind of melting pot for a raft of, you know, issues that are being, you know, more potent mm -hmm. through, through lockdown. Um, so that's, that's really interesting in terms of, you know, supporting people through that dynamic, as well as, you know, a lot of people like to be in control. Mm. Um, and that mm. has gone for so many people. And that whole anxiety around not being in control, I believe, is all ego. Mm. You know, ego, 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 edge got out. That's my philosophy. Mm. So it's about, you know, how people are struggling with that uncertainty and not knowing. Um, or people are accessing their employment services to then develop their confidence for looking for new work mm. as well. So people are like, no, I've not had to go for an interview. You know, so that's also another anxiety that people are kind of having about employability. What will I do next? Mm. Um, so, yeah, or, or, you know, some people don't, you know, might be using that space, but relationships are strained at home. Yeah. And also yeah. loss of jobs is probably, is causing a lot of issues as well. Because I know loads of people have lost their jobs or been put on furlough, so they're not earning as much as they used to be. So that causes a strain in the home as well. Um, how are people dealing with these issues or how, how can people deal with issues? with whilst in lockdown so like in terms of relationship problems your your own personal mental state whether you're single or whatever what, what would your advice be to those out there i i think one of my advice would be to people which is a part of my program mm. which is focus on what you can control mm. focus on what you can control so few of my clients have been made redundant i'm going to encourage you be thinking about what do you need to do to upskill Open universities have got a lot of free courses. Oh, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of courses since, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Harvard like, had a lot of free courses as well. Harvard too, yeah? Yeah, they're handing out certificates, yeah. Boom. I've done a lot of half courses. I never really completed anything, but... Yeah, yeah. well, because when you pay, they don't pay for it, you have a different value. You have <laughs> a different, different value, system, yeah. It? Yeah, and, yeah. And the strange real. thing is, like, halfway through the readings, I'm like, okay, I get this point now. Yeah. I don't want to complete Bam. it. I don't want to watch another four hours of videos yeah. and reading, like, non-stop about it, because I get it. Then I move on to the next one, move on to the next one. So I've got, like a whole bunch of half certificates yeah. to claim, but yeah. I will claim them at some point and I'll stick them up on the wall, say that I went Harvard and Open University. But... Yeah, Harvard from my yard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harvard from Essex. 
yeah what, what else so I, it's always about what can you do to empower yourself mm. because you know when people have power over you mm. powerlessness and depression are go hand in hand yeah and it's always about what can you find to because if you lose sight of that i think it's curtains for people mm. And and I and I don't know if people will come out psychologically intact as such. Yeah. I don't I don't think everybody will. Because so much of their identity will be taken. Mm. If if my identity is the stuff I have and the whip I drive mm. and what I portray there and I no longer have that, mm. I'm not gonna wanna portray my unhappy self. Yeah. I'll just vanish from that forum. So I, I don't I don't think I think it's very difficult for people. People live on credit. Mm. People don't necessarily have, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think I think we're in very difficult times. Yeah. I, I tried my best to stay out of, like, social media. So, as you know, like, on Instagram, I don't really post much and stuff. And people are always like, oh, but you got a podcast. You're meant to be there 24-7. You're meant to be all over Twitter. And I'm like, yo, I, I like myself. I like my mental state. Like, I, I've got a good set of friends and family, like, that I negotiate with and I, I deal with. I, I like human contact and stuff. And that's one of the reasons I podcast. But it doesn't necessarily mean I should spend the whole of my life on social media. Yeah. Like, it's it's not safe space all the time. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it can be a great space. It can be a fantastic space. But I can't spend my whole life on there. I've got stuff to do outside of that zone. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. And if you think about for for lockdown... One of the other massive issues is, is online dating. Mm. Because people are, you know, we've been conditioned by Disney for so many years. We're of the view that Very should tough. we find yeah. the one. <laughs> yeah. The one. The soulmate. Yeah. yeah mm. That one will be complete. Mm. So attention then goes again into another distraction tactic, which is finding the one, spending energy communicating with someone, building up relationship, feelings and rapport. And, you know, and then obviously you can't see that person or whatever. So mm. it's all manipulation and, and it's not healthy. Mm. People, I, I get the sense for me, people don't want to do the inner work, man. Mm. You want quick fix solutions. Which is, but this, you'll just have a, you know, you have a superficially fine life. Mm -hmm. And if it depends, does that harm you? Does that hurt you? Now, I'm seeing that more and more as I get older. I'm seeing people, you know, from my age range, and I'm thinking, boy, boy, life, life really got the best of you. Mm. And I'm, I'm finding that difficult. I find that surprising. Yeah. But I have to also take credit for the fact that I have invested in myself. I've invested in my well-being. When friends were driving fancy cars, I opted out. I was paying for therapy, mm. taking the bus. You know what I'm saying? It looked like I dropped off. Mm. It maybe still does. I've got a 20-year-old RAV4 outside. Mm. And I'm good. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it, it's all like reality distortion. And, and I find that people do, people would rather look at Cardi B and have long-winded debates about that mm. than do this. They want to fall in love. They want to meet the person and they want to do that. Relationships are hard work. Yeah, Being in a relationship with somebody is a lot of work. You have to get to understand them, the dynamics between the two, the two mm. luggage that you lot bring in together, mm. like how that all works finances, ambitions, are you on the same plane? Mm. You know, all of that stuff comes into the fore and, and people people don't want to do that kind of work on themselves. Yeah. So they'll just be dragged left, right and centre wherever the latest media post or agenda mm. takes them, which I do believe is about distraction. Yeah, 100%.
hundred percent. Destruction is such a is is the word because um, I remember when I spoke to Craig Pinkney about like um, a lot of the issues facing the the black community in terms of like um, youth violence and stuff, and he he said one of the vows that he made um, last year in particular was to not be distracted anymore. Because he realised that over the years he had so many goals, he had so many things that he needed to do, so many accomplishments that he had written down. But he was always distracted by the new and latest thing. It's like, I'm distracted by this event, I need to be at this motive. I'm distracted by um, this 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 female who I don't necessarily care about, but I, I want to spend that night with her. I'm distracted by everything that's being thrown at my, my culture, my society. I'm distracted by social media. I'm distracted by what's trending on Twitter and what's popping off. And he realised that he wasn't actually getting any work done. Yeah. But at the end of the year, when he analysed himself and reviewed it, he had nothing done. He was just full of distractions. But the challenge is, we don't want to set ourselves up for martyrdom. Mm. I need idle time. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, yeah, I course, don't mind yeah. some idle time. I, mm. I, I need some nonsense time where I'm not, you know, mm. on it because I'm not, no one's trying to be a martyr. I mm. need to accept my humanness um, so that I have balance in my life. How, how do you gauge that though? Like, do you, do you purposely set that time aside and say, okay, this day, or do you just like, do you, you ensure that you get your core of your work done, but then also have the balance of um, free time? I think like yesterday and today, I decide that I'm not going to open my laptop. Mm. I, I'm more in the moment. Like this weekend, I won't open it. Yeah. And that for me is, is really important. So, so it's I'm, not rigid? No, nah, I'm not rigid. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. uh, this weekend, I've been watching The Vow. Is it The Vow? The Vow. I don't, I don't watch much TV. No. Neither, well, neither, does I, <laughs> neither do I. But my, well, I was with my dad sitting there and he watches television. But mm. I found the series. Mm. You know, it's, I start watching it and it's like seven seven episodes next thing I know he's gone out the room do you know what I mean I'm watching yeah. by myself yeah because it's about <laughs> and it's always psychological yeah. so it's about coercive control okay. I find coercive control absolutely fascinating mm. it's one of the areas that I struggle with as a therapist because I'm so pro you need to take responsibility for your life mm. and you need to take responsibility for your choices but coercive control mm. is where you've been manipulated to the point it. where which is what happens with social media you think you're buying the book mm. but you're not You've been conditioned. Coercive control really does fascinate me. So it was about it was about that, and I and I yeah I could watch that all all yeah. day long. Yeah, but then also that that's kind of in line with your with your work and your passion, which so it makes it more enjoyable pastime, I guess. Which is where if you yeah. have purpose and meaning in your life, yeah. you don't know where which. You know, let's be honest, family find it annoying. Like, when do you ever switch off? Well, mm -hmm. I ain't gonna watch East Enders. I ain't that kind of chick, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I will end up looking at, oh, let's watch something. I will go to documentaries. Mm. Yeah, same here. That's what I, I like. To documentaries, yeah. I, that's what I'm I watching like. a lot of jail documentaries recently. Oh, are you? Yeah, I'm watching a lot of crime stuff. I don't know if I've got issues, <laughs> but I'm watching a lot of crime stuff, a lot of jail what stuff. What kind of crimes? Um, So, I was watching... Um, <laughs> I watched a lot of the narcos style the drug ones um, okay i've watched a lot of um serial killer ones as well okay, okay. Um, and i've been watching a lot of um, these this episode called jailbirds right so but i find it intriguing because jailbird, loves is, it. Look, jailbird is so sick yeah so it's about it's about this prison it's like a seven tier prison system the seven floors and um i think in the middle you've got the women and then the majority of the prison is like men but um, they found these unique ways of like communicating and there's relationships in there. There's, there's fights. It's almost like a whole TV series. Wow. So what they discovered is that they can communicate to each other via the toilets. These prisoners discovered it. So they empty out the water in the loo wow. and then they put like the, the rolls, the empty loo rolls wow. in and they can talk through each other through the pipes. Wow. 
yeah. and everyone's got different knocks. So let's say, for instance, you talk to Devin, who's on the second floor. Your knock for Devin could be like three consecutive knocks in a slap. So that means that's you calling Devin right now. So everyone be like, yo, Devin. Morse code. So they'll be like, yo, Devin, your chick is hollering at you. So then everyone's trying looks for Devin. Devin comes out, hey, yo, babe, what's up? Oh, I miss you, baby. And then they're having all these conversations. They're sending each other, like, um, they call it fishing. So they, they rip up their T-shirts and, and tie them using, like, um, what is it called? Braiding techniques. And then they attach, like, um, they attach the messages to them with spoons. And then the fish. So when you put your spoon down, you flush it. And the other person puts oh. their... They connect. And then they send messages to each other and pictures and all sorts. And it's crazy. It's got all sorts of drama in there. You know what? Prison is a fascinating place. It's so to fascinating. See the creativity of the it human spirit. It is out of this world. The creativity. Oh, what's it called? Jailbird. It's called Jailbirds. It's amazing. That. It's the best thing on TV. And there's like, there's people cheating on each other. And half of the, they've never seen each other. Though. Bear in mind, it's just pictures. But it's like, oh, I heard you were talking to my man and there's beef. And I heard you were talking to the guy who shot my boyfriend out on the street. There's all sorts of crazy drama. And this thing drew me in here to the point where like, I'm like sitting there watching this show as if like I know these people mm, and I'm connected you're to in them. It. I'm deep in it. Woo! I'm deep in it. Job is the best thing out there since sliced bread. Wow. It's crazy. I'm, 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 I'm got hooked on better it. Better than Tiger King. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. I think I like it because it's like they they like the ingenuity, the creativity, and the mindset of these people. That's what intrigues me. Mm. So I've been I got caught up in the whole like setup. Mm. I'm like, how did they discover how to do this? How can they make, get one message from here to there? How are they? creating like serious relationships where they're falling in love and people are breaking up with their husbands outside Jesus. to get married inside the jail because they can actually still have marriage ceremonies in there but they can't kiss they can't touch yeah. they're going to the courtrooms and it is deep it's really deep stuff beautiful it's a and, must and watch. i do believe it is a beautiful sign of the human spirit yeah, yeah. you know in captivity you, you'll see how you know, and and the thing is it's in all of us mm. it's just we're not in adverse conditions for that part of us to be triggered yeah that's all yeah. And, yeah. And, it, and it got me it got me as well reminiscing on like the whole like concept of the, the, well, the whole lockdown that we've all been in because I feel like the, that whole prison setup and how people are communicating and getting to know each other is almost similar experience that we're having on the outside now in terms of like developing relationships and mm. um, it just shows you like how important human contact is that when we're when we're lost when we don't have it there's there's something deep inside us that yearn for it there's, there's, there's a high level of importance for it yeah which is which is the challenge when we're being told you know you can work from home we'll give you a laptop mm. you know there is an actual issue with mm. human contact and you know when i think about help the aged who mm. are very great at promoting you know old people are lonely yeah. i think you know this isn't just going to be for oaps at yeah. all this is a crop. This is this is hitting everybody. Even my daughter today was like, "Why are you always bumping into me?" And I was thinking, "Why are you coming on like that?" And I'm thinking, "You know what? Maybe it's contact. <clears throat> Literally physical contact. It's yeah, it's it's <clears throat> essential for the human organism. <clears throat> which what we're told is, you know, you can do this or you can do this, and you can work from home. <clears throat> and as I was saying in my meeting this week at work, like, you're not gonna buy a, bo- a bucket of roses and put it at home, are you? By <clears throat> the by the by the computer." That's the sort of thing you would have at work, isn't it? As Christmas comes along, someone buys a tin of roses, mm. you have another, someone eats all the purple, leaves the rubbish ones. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, them, them kind yeah. of interactions are mm. really important for humans. Now we're kind of fed this, oh, you can do everything, you know. Mm. Everything from home. Another issue is constantly showing up with, with people through lockdown is problems with apps. Mm. You know, binge eating is a problem. The word binge it has never been... Desi- a desirable term 
But now you've got the companies who encourage you to binge watch. Mm. And then what? Uber Eats, binge, binge eat too. Mm. Like, that's not good for humans. Mm. It's, it's just not good for humans. You know, the convenience of apps is also inconvenient. ASOS, come on. Mm. What have you been buying in lockdown? Because the Amazon man you. knows our house. we on first name terms. Like, <laughs> good, bro. Yeah, He's like, yeah. oh, the sunflowers die. Yeah. And he told my dad the other day, oh, I'm missing the sunflowers. Yeah, yeah. That's when you know they know who you are. So, yeah. like, odd behaviours start to show up throughout lockdown as well. I always encourage my clients, like, look at your current, your bank statement. Start to notice the stuff that you're buying mm. or you're not buying. The weird stuff or the Amazon stuff. Client the other day, God bless her, she bought a hot earwax candle. She says, Key, when it came to my yard, she was like, What am I going to do with the earwax? Would you have ever bought this in any other situation? Uh. Imagine you put hot water down your ear and you got a problem. Now you got to go into the corona hospital. <laughs> Sister, no. Yeah. Weird times, yeah. you know. Yeah. What well, one more question I ask you before I, I let, let you go today is um you you released a post recently on your Instagram about um is kindness making us depressed? Can you just elaborate a bit on that? Because I found that quite interesting. Okay, so kindness is for my empath crew. Mm. Um, these are the people who give and get little in return. Yeah. Highly empathic people until they're kind of woke, don't know how to best protect themselves, mm. and so they give, they give, they give often unconsciously with an expectation yeah. and so when that doesn't come back which a lot of people are experiencing now you know in relationships that are kind of one way it can be very detrimental to them mm. you get angry you feel disappointed you feel resentment and that's how your kindness because you externalize that mm. becomes a problem so i'm very much about helping empathic people you know, this is one of the, the, the kind of, you know, involvement of my, my work, which is like I focused on narcissism before. Mm. And then I focused on empaths mm. because every narcissist needs a highly empathic person mm. to be able to exercise their selfishness with. Mm. Selfish people need selfless people. Mm. So that's one of the, 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 the things that I'm raising is about your kindness actually could be making you sad mm. because of your expectations of reciprocity. Or sometimes, and I see it in myself, is I might up-level my kindness in the hope that I would get what I want back. Mm. And then that doesn't happen and I get angry. But because I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty self-aware, I'll know what I'm doing or I'll shut down a thing because I think, well, this isn't a healthy dynamic for me. Mm. So that's about, you know, highly empathic people need to learn how to protect themselves, not only from others, but from themselves. themselves. Yeah. And that's how we end up doing it to ourselves mm. that bitterness that can seep in when you you don't get the love back yeah yeah and so without being aware that's how it happens to people time and time again mm. that they just harm themselves kindness and that's where people can take your kindness for weakness yeah. yeah yeah and then if you've got poor boundaries you kind of you you usually tell yourself a convenient story to justify going back in and helping those people. So for me, one of the things I've, I've done it through lockdown, I've been quite cutthroat about blocking people who are unhelpful to me. Because mm. if I get caught in a, a dynamic, a historical dynamic of trying to convince them a good person mm. and that I've got their back, I'm just focusing my attention on them. If they're not like, if they don't get it, it's going to evoke my inferiority complex. Mm -hmm. It's historic. 
two ways about it. I have an inferiority complex. That's why I refuse to buy the bar bar. Mm. It tapped into my inferiority mm. complex. So if my relationship with that said person taps into that and I find myself going above and beyond to prove my worth to that person, lock it off. Yeah. I protect myself. Now, my ego is going to be like, oh, yeah, but you never know. If you just did maybe, oh, it's not really nice, is it? Look, everyone's going for a hard time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Beer noise. Yeah. Beer noise. Yeah. But the reality is this person, you know, when they call my phone, I get I get anxious. It's unsettling. Mm-hmm. You, I, I go to the house with great intention. And you just realise the conversation always ends up about them. Mm. You know, before I go, I'm like, oh, do you want me to bring anything? Oh, yeah, just bring, oh, bring a bottle of this. I think, oh, that's £30. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm talking like a little space raiders, you know what I'm saying? Little tom-toms for 20 pence. Man want Havana. Later, I'm a, are you thirsty? I'm damn thirsty. I'm going to drink that with you too, bro. I ain't leaving here without on her. I'm drinking too. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm just like, you know what, yeah? It's serious times. And the more I can get rid of that as a distraction, it means I've got more space for creation. Mm. My creation gives me a sense of feeling empowered in a disempowering situation. And that's where I go, like, talk about surviving and thriving. That, for me, makes me feel good. Yeah. Amazing. Makes me feel good because it's like my, my Pain Into Purpose course, I've delivered that to four groups of ten now. Mm. So that's 40 lives that maybe I would have never touched because they wouldn't have come to therapy. Yeah. So, so out of that, I feel like... But I also know that I feel discrimination towards people who don't get it together. And that's a shortcoming. I need to accept that not everybody's like me. You know, that for some people it will be too much and they will be just like down and out. And I need to, you know, truly respect that. And as a therapist, I do. But personally, because I'm always, you know, if I'm squashed, I'll always find a way to empower myself. Mm. I think I have to be really respectful of people who aren't always able to do that. Yeah. You know, but we'll always have, you know, so if I am, then how do I leverage those people who might not be if they want it? If they come to me like, oh, key man, it's too much. Because that's another thing that's happening as well. People are coming who can't always necessarily afford therapy, yeah. but they are calling. So I'm like, okay, how can we, how? How can you reach? Them? How can we do, how, what can I do for you? How can I assist my, maybe I can give you a free space on my course. Yeah. It'll give you the answers. Like, you know, finding a way. So I, I, being respectful of my own personality type, mm-hmm. but also know it's not everybody else's personality type. Not everybody else is going to be able to thrive in adversity. Um, and, you know, if they're brave enough to ask, how can I support people with the kind of range of services that I have? It's yeah. a real blessing Amazing. to be able to do that. Thanks for touching that. Um, and do you have any questions? No? Okay, so Annette kept low-key today. You made notes. I, I, I have my homie Annette with me here today on the podcast, but um, she decided not to talk, even though I mic'd her up. <laughs> but she's taking plenty of you notes. Don't have, hold on. You don't have one question, sister? I know you, you got a lot of notes there, She talks, so you know. Don't, don't ever mm-hmm. be fooled. <laughs> she talks. One question, sister. Turn, no, turn the mic. Disciplined. Discipline for what? This we like less, unruly behaviour. Yeah, no, this is Let's Do Humans podcast. Anything goes, man. <laughs> no, I'm just listening. I would say, though, that the last thing you said really, really hit home about the empath and mm-hmm. that, that was really significant for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think empaths are often in helping professions. Mm. Mm. So you, if you're a helping professional, you give out a lot and you don't recognise you have needs. Yeah. So your cup is dry and you're still giving. This is one of the ways that empaths burn out. I, I, I don't know because I am one. Yeah. So for empaths to say no, they feel, they, they feel guilty. Mm. So, you know, guilt is an emotion no one wants to feel. So you reject the guilt and you concede because mm. you don't want to sit with guilt. You've got to learn to sit with guilt. 
and, and empaths aren't great at saying no to people. But firstly, you know, empaths are just not good at looking after themselves. Really not. They put themselves last. Mm. And so, you know, you probably work way more than the hours you get paid for, mm. which I regard as volunteering when you work for a government <laughs> agency. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Why am I going to volunteer for the Home Office? No, don't do it. You yeah. know, so you've got to learn to have your boundaries to be able to ensure that that beautiful helping nature, the empathic nature, mm. you don't abuse it. Because if you if you abuse it, you you when you burn out, that's when body say no more. Mm. You know, so I'm really about how helping empathic people to protect their gift. It's a true gift to have that, and that's one of the reasons we can get caught in that dynamic with the opposites of our our kind, mm. unnecessarily difficult people. Because we can always understand them, innit? Yeah. I read theories long and wide, innit? Be like, oh, well, you have a traumatic childhood. <laughs> you get enough hugs. Yeah. That's why it's like that. It's not really like that. It's got good art. Mm, mm. And you have to learn to stop telling yourself the stories. Accept people as they are, not as we want them to be. And protect your greatness. Protect your gift. 100%. Boom, boom, bam. And that's that. Kili, what you, what you got coming up for the people to know? What's some of the work that you're doing currently? What do you want to push out there let the people know about my pain into purpose course yeah. at the moment we've got a deal it's 99 pounds you, you got the link so you're going to send me the link and I'll, I'll put send it you the link yeah. all day I'll be um, posting out the link to that yeah beautiful mm-hmm. EAPs you know so mm-hmm. if people are you know with employers and they are thinking about therapy get in touch oh, yeah, that was a great one that you mentioned earlier on as well in regards to like um, some employees paying for therapy so yeah. people should really look into that yeah, yeah employee assistance programs a part of employee assistance programs are also like debt lines with organisations as well so oh, wow. if you've got any okay. debt problems you can use those services some of them also provide solicitor services as well so there's mm. a lot you can get from that yeah um so, yeah, I supervise people as well. Mm. Um, so I supervise trainees who are training to become therapists. Because I'm always about how can you, you know, like in our industry, we're told to constantly volunteer. Mm. So I'm also about helping people to build their vision for what they want that, you know, to look like. So mm. you can find me at keyforchange.com. Mm. I help people in all manner of ways with all kind of, yeah. you know, different conundrums that just get mm. the best of all of us. You know, I'm really about breaking down that stereotype of like, oh yeah, you're off key, oh you're mad, go and see your therapist. Bruv, like, we all need someone to talk to. <laughs> Let's have a chat. Yeah. That's all I do. Let's have a chat. Let's yeah. have a quick chat. Let's look at that. Yeah. And um, yeah, just cool. helping people to get clarity. It's a pleasure. Thanks for coming on Let's Do Humans Always. podcast once again. Keely, we'll definitely chased, have you back chased, again. Oh, that was amazing, Keely, once again. Uh, chat to you today. I know, definitely. Ooh.